of the, uh, of the altar team. <laughs> Y'all wait, we're going to do something. I believe God wants to do something. How many of you guys came to get in the presence of the Lord? How many of you guys want to, you want the Lord to make, have, have his way tonight? You need a breakthrough, right? I want to set the tone here for what the Lord is going to do because I know you didn't come here to hear me speak. I know that you came here with some heaviness and you want the Lord to remove it off of you tonight. And in the name of Jesus, I believe that there are going to be some walls that come down off of your life that are stopping you from taking a proverbial city that is driving you crazy and keeping you from the fruit of the spirit, from the life of the fool that Jesus Christ told you that you can have. There are things keeping you up. We are going to tear it down tonight. You believe that? Come on. I don't believe that you believe that. Say it. Come on. I need faith in this place. Let me set the tone really quick. If you'll go to Psalm 18, I just want to set the tone here for us this evening. This is David. He writes this after a victory. He says, I will love you, Lord. I will love you, O my Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. The first three verses in chapter 18 of Psalm, David is praising the Lord for a victory. He's giving praise for what the Lord has done, right? He's worshiping. This is a praise moment for David. Bless the Lord. Look at where he took me, right? And then he explains what the Lord did for him, right? And why he's praising. In verse four, he says, the pangs of death surrounded me. Are y'all surrounded? The pangs of death surrounded me and the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. But in my distress, I called out upon the Lord and cried out to him. And he heard my voice from his temple and my cry came before him, even to his ears. And I want to show you that when the Lord hears you, he responds fiercely. Not casually, but fiercely. I need you to grab that in faith tonight. I'm trying to set a tone that fiercely the Lord responds when he hears his people, okay? It says, then the earth shook and trembled and the foundations of the hills also quaked and were shaken because he was angry at what I was going through. My God responds fiercely when I cry out to him. Your God responds fiercely. He says, because he was angry, smoke went from his nostrils and a devouring fire from his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. If that doesn't get you excited, then you're not understanding what I'm saying here in this passage. Is that David is praising the Lord because death was at the doorstep. Are you hearing me? Death was at the doorstep. He got delivered because his fierce, mighty warrior God stood up. And took care of business on his behalf. It was his faith. It was his trust in his Lord. He did not let his enemy get the best of him. I love it. I love it. Woo. That's taking us to Joshua 6.20. Y'all with me now? We excited? You know who's sitting on the throne and how he responds when your cry gets to his ear tonight. We're going to make the Lord's nostrils smoke. All right, I'm going to move quickly, so you guys just bear with me, okay? Because I want to get to an altar tonight, amen? 
So I'm going to move a little quick. Joshua 6, 20. So, so the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. What an uncomfortable battle strategy the Lord gave Joshua to take the city, y'all. We'll talk about it for a second, but trust me, it was uncomfortable. The message tonight is the wall, and the walls came down. Uncomfortable battle strategy that resulted in victory. Father, we just come before you right now. Lord, I'm asking that your Holy Spirit would have his way. Lord, I'm praying that you would stir our faith tonight. Get us excited, Lord, not just emotionally, but Lord, just in our faith. Let faith rise up in your church tonight that you are on the throne. Lord, that you are about to make a breakthrough. There is no reason to be in fear in the house of the Lord tonight. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Okay. How many of you guys are facing an area in your life that is uncomfortable? Just throw your hand up at me. You can hit a like button or dislike. I don't know if they have dislikes. But if you're facing some uncomfortable area in your life, right, there is something that is uncomfortable. It has got you discomforted right now, right? We all do. We all face things that are uncomfortable. This could be an area maybe in your marriage. Maybe the entire marriage isn't uncomfortable, hopefully. But maybe there's an area of discomfort within the marriage. Maybe there is an area with your children, and a lot of you are going to say amen. There's an area with some of my children that are causing me to be uncomfortable. Their behavior, their grades, this whole online learning, uncomfortable. Okay? Maybe there's an area in your health that has you uncomfortable. There's a diagnosis. There's something going on. It's uncomfortable. It is a pain. It is chronic. It's uncomfortable. Maybe it's in your finance. Listen, we will come face to face with things that make us uncomfortable. And sometimes, sometimes as we face uncomfortable things, we have a tendency to allow fear to build up when we, face, when we are face to face with uncomfortable moments. We are seeing it on our nation. We are uncomfortable as a nation. And how much fear is driving people? Faith is not driving some individuals, but fear is driving it is defining individuals right now, influencing people because they are uncomfortable. There are moments that we get uncomfortable and fear tends to come in and hijack us. Do not allow fear to overshadow your faith when you stare down uncomfortable moments. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given you a spirit of fear. He has not given you a spirit of fear. Pastor Brian just said that we need to be people of a sound heart. You're not going to be a person of a sound heart if, you're not, if you are given to fear. We're not given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So many are being driven and tossed and turned by the fear and the anxieties. Something facing you in life, something facing our nation, and you are being driven by fear, anxiety, and worry. 
The spirit of fear loves to attack our ability to soundly trust the Lord, to fully trust in him. Fear in and of itself has the ability to influence your imagination, leading you. When, it, when fear grabs a hold of your imagination, right, it has the ability to greatly diminish in your heart God's ability to bring comfort and deliverance. Did you catch that? Fear will run your imagination wild. In those scenarios, keeping you up at two in the morning will greatly diminish within your own heart God's ability, not his own ability, but your thoughts of his abilities to comfort and deliver you in that area of discomfort. I'm here to tell you that fear can only influence areas that aren't occupied by faith tonight. I will say that again. Fear can only influence areas that are not occupied by faith in your life. Israel was influenced by fear when they stared down the walls of Jericho the first time around, if you guys remember. Man, they were given this promise, this promised land, but they really let fear rob them the first time they stood face to face with it. See, it was up until that point, this point in chapter 6 in Joshua that the nation of Israel had really only heard about the promised land. They had really only briefly laid eyes on it, and they had only briefly scouted it out. They hadn't fully experienced the promised land that God had for them. They chose to let fear separate them. See, they were told by God in Exodus 3, 8, before he delivered them from the Egyptians... He says, so I have come down, this is God saying, so I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up from, a, from uh, that land to a good and large land. How many of you guys want to move to a good and large piece of property, right? A land that's flowing with milk and honey, right? God was, God was in so many ways saying, listen, I'm going to send you guys to a land of life, milk, life. I'm going to give you life, a good life, right? And I'm going to give it to you more abundantly. I'm going to give you milk and I'm going to give you honey. I'm going to give you the source there of life as, as it's nurturing, but then I'm also give you something to get you sweet tooth, right? It's going to be life and life to the full, right? That's what I hear when God says, I'm going to give you milk and honey. He'll give me what I need and what I want. Woo! Come on. He says, I'm going to give them that place, the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the, 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 the Perzites, and the Hivites and the Jebusites. It was God's intent to establish them in a good land that was full and satisfying. Jesus has the same intent. Did you know that? John 10, 10. I've come to give you life and to give it to you to the full, which means I'm going to take care of what you need and I'm going to satisfy you. And every now and then I'm going to throw something at you and get the sweet tooth because I'll give you the desires of your heart. That's not a prosperity message. That's him being kind to his faithful servant. Jesus has that same intent to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly, full life and enjoyable life. But at the doorstep of that land, that very land that God promised them full of milk and honey, they had second thoughts the first time around, right? Israel took one look at the city of Jericho and gave in to fear. They literally left God's promises on the other side of that fear. Come on. And the result was a miserable walking for 40 years in the desert. Some of us have been walking too long. Listen, the first time I heard that story growing up, I said, man, why did they not just trust the Lord? What is wrong with these people? Why would they allow fear to define them and not faith? Come on. God Almighty said it. Why aren't they doing it? And then I got older, and I come to realize that I often do the same thing. How about you guys? 
You allow fear to influence you, change your attitude, knock you down, wear you out, keep you up, and make you leave the blessing on the other side of fear. And not only that, listen, faith wor- uh, fear works against you as relates to trusting God too. I can, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of me, okay? Because not only do, do, does fear really work at you when you're uncomfortable and you're facing something, but it also fear works against you in stepping out and being uncomfortable with what the Lord tells you to do. Okay. Proverbs 3 5 was pretty uncomfortable to me growing up. Proverbs 3 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And that's where it gets pretty fearful for me and pretty crazy. Okay. That's where it was uncomfortable for me. The whole trusting in what you don't understand thing. And as a teenager growing up in a Pentecostal world, there were plenty of things that I didn't understand, plenty of things going on. Okay that made me uncomfortable. I, I promised the Lord that I would not get up and shout, okay, that I would not do that stuff. Look at me, okay? I can hardly hold it together. I fought tooth and nail. I said, I will not be like so-and-so doing the Holy Ghost helicopter. That won't be me, Lord. Haven't done it yet, but you see, I get a little, I literally, I, I had a problem. This was a very uncomfortable scripture for me, okay? And here's why. It was uncomfortable because I I didn't understand. See, I didn't understand why worship was so powerful and necessary. It made me uncomfortable to sing and raise my hands and Lord forbid to shout. I used to be in the mindset, I was like, listen, I don't shout at football games. I'm not going to shout at church. I don't see the point in it. It makes me uncomfortable. I didn't realize that it would break the yoke of oppression over your life when you did. A little bit of hallelujah, yes, Lord. And he just frees you from something, right? But you're just being emotional. No, 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 no. There's a victory shout. Okay, don't you feel good when your team's winning and you just go, come on, get it in there, yes. It makes you feel like you're helping them out there a little bit. Some of you scream at Saints games and other games like you're helping them out there. I know it. Okay, anyways, the altar made me uncomfortable. People didn't need to know that I identified with the message and judged me. Made me uncomfortable. I got to go up there. If he's God, he can work in my seat. Yes, he will. But what if he wants you to walk down here, y'all, and be uncomfortable a minute? I hope you all fast. Fasting is uncomfortable. Embrace the discomfort in trusting the Lord. Big things happen when you're uncomfortable in the spirit. Kneeling in prayer was uncomfortable. And listen, at certain ages, it's downright dangerous. (laughs) It was uncomfortable to me. I'm like, what are you doing? I was young, okay, very young. Praying out loud. What if someone hears me? There were some things that I just didn't understand. I didn't understand the value of certain things growing up. I didn't understand why you had to do certain things. My imagination created so much fear towards these things. These things that scripture clearly shows that have, that have huge benefits as a believer. These are areas that have huge benefits when we do these things. When you let go of you and your pride and you just let go and let God, right? And you just shout to the one who saved you, redeemed you, died for you, got a place for you up in heaven. If you can't just go, whoa, he got something from me, right? It'll just release something off of you. When you praise him, when you get excited about what he's done. It's not just outward, it's something inward. What's he doing inwardly that you're expressing outwardly? I thought, geez, I'm already facing things that are uncomfortable, Lord. I don't want to look and feel foolish. In other words, guys, I didn't want to be spiritually uncomfortable on top of being physically uncomfortable. Have you ever been there? 
But I have come to learn that it is better to be spiritually uncomfortable. There is a great value and power in being spiritually uncomfortable. And by spiritually uncomfortable, I mean it's when God makes you do something that makes absolutely no sense. Like surrender fully, right? Hands lifted up. That makes no sense and that's uncomfortable, okay? When he calls you to give when you don't have any money. Or when he calls you to step out and love when that person is just... I don't want to look foolish, right, because they mean, okay? When he calls you to do something uncomfortable and in the spirit you become uncomfortable, it's it's uncomfortable to obedience. Listen, I've learned that it's better to be spiritually uncomfortable because when I am spiritually uncomfortable, that is the moment that I've let him be in control. And he has never let me down when I have given him free reign. That is my testimony to you tonight. That when I get out of the way, when I get over the whole I don't want to be comfortable and stand on my feet and worship, I don't want to respond to an altar, I don't want to raise my hand, I don't want to shout because it doesn't make sense to me to be at all celebratory right now, I have learned that when I embrace spiritual discomfort, I greatly am rewarded because that's when I am fully trusting in him and not in my own self. The effects of fear will rob you of the abundant life that Jesus promised you. And there are so many people that are allowing fear to influence them right now. I am not saying or at all suggesting that you do not prepare and that you do not use wisdom in your life. Certainly, you prepare and you use wisdom. But you cannot allow fear to become a crutch that paralyzes you. Or allow fear to become an obstacle that cuts you off from the blessing of God, both physically and spiritually. Prepare, yes, but don't be stopped in your tracks by fear. We move forward. He delivers us. He delivers our enemy into our hand. The enemy is a defeated foe. See, we fight from victory, not towards victory, which means that God, on, Jesus on the cross, took the final blow. He, he knocked him out, right? That was a mortal, a mortal wound, and the enemy has scattered, right? And how many times in the Old Testament did you hear, and, and God struck the enemy, and then the Israelites, all they had to do was pursue an already defeated enemy. And it says, and they, they pursued him all the way as far as someplace like Dan or somewhere back in Timbuktu. Anyways, they drove the problem so far off. Why? Because God was the one that brought the victory, your job is to drive the enemy that's already running away from you, right? Don't let fear stop you. you, you, That thing that's agitating you is defeated, okay? And you just run it off with your faith, with your prayers. No, my God has given me the victory. I don't want to rant. Let me get here. We need faith. We need to trust God now more than ever. Trust his word. Follow his commands. Repent of sin we got to repent of sin, acknowledge sin. It is what it is. Let me tell you, if you're trying to go up against cities and defeat enemies, read chapter 8, 7, and 8 about how Achan took the forbidden things and brought it into his home, and God left the camp, okay, and they lost. Sin will cost you dearly. But if you take care of that and put it under the blood and you repent, you have victory, but you cannot just hide it away where nobody can see it. You got to bring that thing forward and repent. And God will then take back what the enemy is trying to steal from you. But you will give ground if you're playing around with sin. 
I can't stress that. Now is more, more than ever. We need to get some things in line. Flee unrighteousness and, re, and pursue holiness. Why? Because there is a blessing for those that trust the Lord and put their faith in him and do things his way. There's a blessing for that. And I can prove this. Jeremiah 17, 5 and 8. Now, the first couple verses here, I'm going to show you what the first generation of Israel did when they went and they looked at Jericho. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man. They were, it was, you know, when you're walking around the desert for 40 years, that sucks. Okay. (laughs) Can I say that? That's bad. (laughs) Because they trusted in themselves to take out the city. All right. Cursed is the man who trusts in himself and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord, for he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good times come, but shall inhabit the parched places of the wilderness and the salt lands, which is not inhabited. That's the first generation of Israel took a look at that, and that's exactly what they experienced. Now, I know, listen, God gave them good shoes, and they lasted for, for 40 years. It was okay, but that wasn't what it was intended, okay? I don't want to be walking around 40-year-old shoes, all right? I want the milk and honey. So don't look at that situation and be like, well, he took care of it. They were in the desert for 40 years. Don't get comfortable. There's more. <laughs> there was supposed to be more. They were supposed to have verse 7. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and goes and takes the city and does what I say. Whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when the heat comes. But its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor cease from yielding fruit, milk, and honey. A life of milk and honey. I have come to give you life and give it to the Full, right? That's life of milk and honey. When you trust in the Lord, you don't give in to fear. You don't, your heart doesn't depart from the Lord in such a way that says, I have to do things my way. I can't do this. It makes me uncomfortable to do things your way, Lord. Be okay with being uncomfortable in obedience to the Lord. Joshua's generation chose to walk in faith and trust the Lord when they faced Jericho. They risked guys being spiritually uncomfortable. They did what their parents would not do, what the generation before them would not do. They risked being spiritually uncomfortable. How? Well, they didn't mind looking like fools and being mocked by the people of Jericho as these warriors imagine. Here they are. They're tired of walking. They're ready, okay? And here comes Joshua's got a message from the Lord. It's time. We're going to take the city. And all the warriors grab their swords and their shields, and they're like, yes, let's do it. He's like, guys, calm down. We're just going to walk around it and shout. That's uncomfortable, Joshua. (laughs) Have you ever gone to battle? Battles aren't won like that, sir. Far be it for me, leader. Okay, somebody was in the camp saying stuff like that. Come on, y'all, right? Somebody was like, that's uncomfortable. I don't want to do that. That makes no sense whatsoever. Y'all with me? No sense whatsoever. Okay? Putting putting your trust in a God you can't see that died for you 2,000 years ago on a cross, that makes no sense. But faith and trust in that, that is your victory. Oh, it comes from being uncomfortable, y'all. The blessing comes from being uncomfortable. They didn't mind it. 
They didn't lean on their own understanding. Joshua didn't try to explain it. In matter of fact, as soon as Joshua gave the orders, they just went with it. They didn't have to lean on their own understanding. Well, maybe there'd be an earthquake right at the time that we're about to shout. I don't know. Well, maybe it'd be a, you know, a hard crosswind. You never know. You know, maybe it's not structurally sounding. And if we march hard enough, right, we'll help God out, okay? Guys, this is what we're going to do. Don't back talk. I don't know. They did not question God on this one. They did not lean on their own understanding. Okay, to look like fools, didn't lean on their own understanding. They didn't allow fear to run their imaginations. I don't know how I would have been in that situation because I would have been thinking of a ton of different scenarios of how we're going to get flattened. They had bows and arrows, guys. Somebody. I would have been afraid of that. Imagination. You see how that happens? Somebody's going to throw a spear. It's going to hit me. But they didn't have that. They trusted God. They trusted God. The angel of the Lord. And, I, and, and, and I'm just going to have the worship team come up. You guys can start getting prepared. Right, you guys can just start coming up and getting prepared. I mean, Joshua literally just listens to the Lord. I love a story, you can find it in chapter 6, and I'm just going to very, very quickly paraphrase what happened. Oh, the, the, uh, an, a soul, an angel in the army of the Lord startles Joshua and tells him, hey, I've given the city. The Lord has given the city into your hands. You go take it. And he gives him the most uncomfortable battle strategy ever. You are to walk around the city for seven days. You're going to circle this city, this fortified walls high city for seven days. For six of the seven, you are literally not going to say a word. It's Okay, you can blow some horns, okay? Take the ark with you, the priest with, the priests, what? All right, don't say a word, don't draw a sword, walk. Blow the horns, blow the horns. That's a musical instrument, y'all. I don't care what you say, they were worshiping when they were walking around. He said, you hold, you hold your shout. You just keep playing. You, keep, you just keep worshiping, right? Blow the horn. You blow the horn. They blew the horn the whole time he was walking, basically. Six days. The seventh day, he says, when you do it, you're going, yeah, I'm going to really tire you out because you're not going to have to do anything. So you could be tired because I'm going to have you not walk around once. You're going to get up early on the seventh day, and you're going to walk around six times, right? Then you're going to do it a seventh time. But on the seventh time, you're going to shout. And when you shout, the walls are going to fall. You're going to go right in, and you're going to take the city. Okay? Now listen. Listen. There is, there is something facing you tonight, and it is uncomfortable. It is standing between you and the promise of a full life. This thing robbed you of your peace, of your joy, your patience, your love, and your kindness. It causes anxiety and turmoil in your house, right? This thing is a modern-day city of Jericho. And God says, I am giving you the city. The walls are coming down, okay? I'm speaking this to you. The Lord is telling you the walls are coming down. You might say, I don't have a Jericho. Well, you might just call another something else, okay? And it's likely that the city is fortified by walls of fear. Some of you may be facing a modern-day Jericho that goes by the name of marriage. Got quiet. You might be plagued that, listen, 
It might be a situation you don't know if your relationship is going to make it. It's a hard time in your marriage. You are plagued by fear that it's not going to heal, that it's not going to be restored. God says, I'm giving you the city. The walls are coming down. Might be children. You may be plagued by walls of fear that you aren't doing a good enough job. That your children aren't going to be okay when they get older. That is the devil. That you, that your kids may never serve the Lord. Don't let the end know. He's giving you the city. It might be in your health. You may be plagued by walls of fear that this is it. There is no healing. No, God's giving you the walls to this thing. It's coming down. It may be your finance. And you know those, those walls of fear. It may be the past that is facing you right now that is making you uncomfortable and you may be run, be plagued by the condemnation and the fear that God has not forgiven you and that is a lie. He, it is under the blood. If you have repented, it is forgotten and you are a born again believer. Don't you let the enemy tell you differently. It may be your job and you are plagued by the fear that you will not find one, keep one, or you'll never make enough to uh, supply for your family. The Lord says, I have you. Don't let fear drive it. The, the walls are coming down. It may be lost and you might be plagued by the fear that your heart will never heal and you will never overcome grief. And it may be the nation. The walls are coming down. What is standing between you and God's promises for an abundant life? Because God is saying, the walls are coming down. I am giving you the city. If you will stand with me tonight, giving you the city and I'm going to tell you how he's going to give you the city this is going to be a little strange and you're going to say it doesn't make any sense great I know embrace the discomfort because you are going to exchange a spirit of heaviness for the garment of praise tonight okay there is a spirit of heaviness of fear on you because of this on this discomforting situation and the Lord is gonna take down the walls of fear and give you this city tonight he is going to make you the master of this city tonight you will overtake this thing tonight so I'm gonna do something symbolically I'm gonna say seven times and the walls came down you're not gonna say anything on that seventh time, I'm gonna count with you. On the seventh time, I want you guys to say hallelujah as loud as you can. And when you say hallelujah, these guys are gonna lead us into worship. And you are gonna praise this thing off of you. And the spirit of fear is gonna fall off of you. Then we're gonna open up the altar. And God is gonna deliver the city to you in the second song tonight. And you are gonna have victory. Do you believe it? Is it because I'm gonna be loud? Of course not. No, it will not be because of your shout. It will be because of Hebrews 11.30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down when they encircled it. You are demonstrating your faith tonight, not your ability to yell. Are you ready? And the walls came down. No, don't say nothing. And the walls came down. And the walls came down. Do you believe it tonight? And the walls came down over your finances. And the walls came down over your marriage. And the walls came down over your family. And the walls came down. Shout hallelujah. 
tonight it is totally defenseless by your praise 
it has been rendered defeated by the praise of your lips tonight come on this time right now we're gonna do another song and it is this is the moment where you drive the enemy out of that place and he is gonna give you full occupancy over it in Jesus name in Jesus name
some miraculous words right here. I know that he's doing it in your seat. He's doing it at home. Trust him. Trust him today to knock those walls down. Hallelujah. Father, we pray that you would knock down walls of fear, walls of pride. Lord God, walls of anxiety. Right now, in the name of Jesus, those walls are coming down. Walls, Lord God, of stress. Walls, Lord, that, that are there that are hindering us from enjoying, just as Victor said, as you told us, the full life that you promised us. Today, Lord God, we declare that you are holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Hallelujah. Worthy is the Lord. Father God, right now we're just coming and we're praying and believing today that walls have come down. Lord, there have been people that prayed for healing in this place. We're believing together with them that they're going to be healed. There are people, Lord God, that have come into this place with worry or with fear or, or, or even pride, Lord God. I'm praying that you would break down those walls. We love you, Lord God, for all that you're doing. We love you for who you are. And we're thankful for your word and that all of your promises are yes and amen. So today, Lord God, we shout a shout of victory. That, Lord, we shout and the walls come down. Lord, we praise and the walls come down. Lord, we believe and the walls come down. That's what we believe and that's what we're grateful for. We love you. We praise you. And Lord, today we believe it. If you believe it, I want you to shout amen right now. Amen. Come on, give the Lord an incredible hand. Amen. Praise God. Listen, we still have ministry in the altars right now. It's 8 o'clock. They're going to continue to lead us in some worship. And you know what? We want you to feel free at this time to go ahead and step out, get your kids, or stay here and worship. It's completely up to you. Uh, but, but we want to thank you for being here tonight. Just allow that ministry to happen up here. So we're just going to continue with a couple more. But listen, we love you. How, how many of you enjoyed tonight in a midweek service? A little bit different, amen? God's doing some great things, and we're excited. Thank you for being here. You can be dismissed. You can come and get prayer. Or you can worship for a little while longer. Completely up to you. But thank you guys tonight for being with us.
wrestler, but he's not uh, really violent and everything like that. I've just yeah. never, I, uh, I have, you know, I have like that will of like, you know, nothing, there's nothing that can't be done. Right, exactly. I'm that type of person. Yeah, I am too. So for me, I just want to, like, I just want to keep motivating him. I want to get him out there. Like, you, I don't know. I hope you're not mad at me. If I'm ever like too, pushing too many buttons, just let me know. He's good with that. He loves you, man. Okay. I'm telling you, okay. he laughs about it and talks. He even okay. talks about home now. No, the thing of it, he, he likes to be, you know.